1: Weekend edition of the show here, a lot to get into. Believe it or not, there is no UFC show until September. Although there is, of course, Mayweather McGregor. But as far as like a UFC Saturday or Sunday event, nothing until September. No SummerSlam until next weekend. Of course, next weekend is very, very busy. It is NXT TakeOver. It is SummerSlam. There's all sorts of stuff going on next weekend. This weekend, it's all about the G1 The A Block is wrapped up, wrapped up last night. We're going to talk about that here on the show today. B Block finals are coming, the finals of the entire G1. Winner gets a briefcase, much like the Money in the Bank briefcase, which does not guarantee them a shot at the Tokyo Dome, because in fact somebody could beat them and take the briefcase. If you have the briefcase, you're in the main event at the Tokyo Dome. So we're going to talk about the G1 here today. I'm also caught up on NXT and Lucha Underground. If you saw either of those shows, you're welcome to give us a call or drop us a text message talk about those. Far stuff you got to see. I would definitely watch the Nagata Badluck Fall A match, which we can talk about today. The Naito Tanahashi match, as well as the Jeremiah Crane Mil Muertes match on Lucha Underground, which was awesome. We can talk about GLOW. I got the full lineup for the NXT TakeOver show and SummerSlam. So between the two shows, there are 17 WWE matches over Saturday and Sunday. We have the buy rate for UFC 214. How many buys did UFC 214 do on pay-per-view? And where would that compare to other shows this year? Spoiler, destroyed everything, just so you know. And a lot more. If you want to give us a call here today, the phone number one 800 878 That one 800 1-80-878-7529. Text messages 425 780 7566 And we'll be joined by Suede Thompson on Observer Live later on today. Talking future stars of wrestling. Back in a moment with more Wrestling Observer Live.
0: You don't want to go. And
2: body do the work, 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 work. I have to get to
3: sleep.
4: Tom had a stressful day, and now he can't shut down at bedtime. He needs sleep. To fall asleep fast, millions of people turn to Unisom Sleep Gels. They're non-habit forming and quickly help you sleep soundly so you wake recharged. Mm. Tom? <sighs> Unisom Sleep Gels. A stressful day deserves a restful night. Use as directed active ingredient diphenhydramine hydrochloride. 5-1
6: Start your own
7: color party with colors like Champagne and Jubilee. Ask Sherwin-Williams and save 35% on paints and stains during the Love for Color sale, August 11th through the 14th. Your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams paint store is right around the corner. Find it at sherwinwilliams.com slash save. Retail sales only. Some exclusions
0: apply. See store for details. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
1: We're back in the show. Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. We are joined by Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Lots of stuff to talk about here today. We're going to get into the news first. Very quickly before you go to the G1, GLOW officially returning to Netflix for a second season. Netflix announced that the show had been renewed last night with another 10 episodes set to be produced. Season's first run, also 10 episodes. Renewal comes after the comedy drama series received overwhelming praise from television critics upon its release in June. So if you're a big fan of GLOW, you're going to get more of it. They have been renewed. So last night was the A Block finals of the G1, and there were... Two notable matches, one of them being the Nagata Bad Luck Falle match, and the other being Naito's win over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Nagata was. Nagata got two points in the entire tournament, a whopping one win. It was his final ever G1. It was very much like the Liger situation where everybody wanted him to win. Every single match, the fans were super into it. This was. His last match here with Bad Luck Fale. Place is going wild. They're going crazy. There's nothing on the line. Neither guy can make it to the finals. Could Nagata get one more win here in his tournament? He did not. He was beaten by Bad Luck Fale. It was a great match. Apparently all of Nagata's matches have been great. And at the end, they did this spot where Bad Luck Fale did the Bullet Club salute. And Nagata responded with his own salute and bad luck foley responded by looking at him and bowing and walking out of the ring and everybody lost their minds nagata falls to the mat he's weeping it was awesome it was so great and it wasn't even like an angle i mean it was like a you know tournament long angle can this guy win some matches here in his final g1 ever but there was so much emotion the announcers were crying there were people crying was amazing. And then, in the main event, as I think most people expected, Naito beat Tanahashi to win the A Block. Two Destinos. They had a phenomenal match. Tanahashi in there with a ruptured biceps. He goes all the way to the end of the A Block here. They had a great match. The heat for this match was unbelievable here in this building. Fans were into this. It wasn't even like they got into it halfway through. I mean, they were into it from the second they did anything. And they stayed hot the entire match. Naito gets the win. He goes on to the finals. It comes down to Okada Omega in the other block. The winner of that is going to face Naito. I thought the show was awesome. Mike, what did you see?
8: I definitely saw Tanahashi and Naito. And unlike in 2013, I think it was, when Naito knocked off Tanahashi... And went on and actually won the G one in the finals. Uh, and went on to the Tokyo Dome to face off against Okada. And we had a situation where the fans kind of revolted and we ended up with Tanahashi and Nakamura in the main event of that show with the Intercontinental title. And and Naito it was was and was, Okada were, were regulated to the semi main event and a humbling experience for both men. As people were still trying to figure out how much we really How much we really like these guys in in comparing them to the era of nakamura and tanahashi that is not going to be the case this time around if it ends up being naito and okada which it may not be it you know at the tokyo dome on, on january 4th but if it goes according to what a lot of people believe which just like yourself Whether it's Okada or Omega, it doesn't matter. A lot of people believe Naito is going to win the G1 and go on and and face somebody at the Tokyo Dome, uh, likely being Okada. So it, it is a good time. It was a great way to cap off. I haven't seen the entire show, but that was a great way to cap off Block A. Uh, an incredible battle between two guys who are tore up right now. You know, obviously the the story of Tanahashi's bicep and, and Naito's uh, shoulder uh, are well known and out there. So they did an amazing job under the circumstances as well, too.
1: Also, I caught up with some other stuff. The NXT show and the Lucha Underground show. If you've not seen Lucha Underground, the end of the show is just the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. So Just quit. But before the end of the show, if you check out the Jeremiah Crane-Mil Muertes match, Jeremiah Crane had a match with Killshot a couple of uh, weeks ago that was unbelievable. Now he has another one with Mil Muertes. If you love a match with two big, scary dudes just smashing each other, this was the match for you. It's a tournament they're doing in Lucha Underground. It's no G1, I will say that. But if you take out some of the stupid things that they've done in the tournament, and there have been some stupid things in the tournament, it actually is a great tournament. So, thoughts on that? Yeah. You're welcome to uh, text I don't watch
8: Lucha Underground. I don't get a chance to see it. But uh, what was so horribly bad at the end where it was just What was so horribly bad? People?
1: I'll be happy to tell you. So, they do a Pentagon Dark match, and he's wrestling Tejano. And at the end of the match, Famous B, who wants to manage Tejano, Famous B grabs a... Horseshoe from Brenda, their valet, their non-wrestling valet. And she throws the horseshoe, or he throws a horseshoe into the ring. And Pentagon ends up grabbing it, and he knocks out Tejano, and he gets the win. So Pentagon advances. So Pentagon's gimmick is he breaks his opponent's arm after the match. Mm-hmm. So he goes to break the arm of Tejano. Famous B jumps into the ring. Famous B says, no, no, no. This is my guy. I am trying to, uh, I want to recruit him. So please don't break his arm. So Pentagon backs off, and Tejano escapes. And Pentagon acts like he's going to leave, but instead he grabs Famous B, the manager, and he throws him to the mat, and he breaks his arm. And the manager is screaming, he's writhing, he's holding his arm, everybody's cheering. Pentagon leaves. Brenda jumps in the ring. She's tending to poor famous B who had his arm broken. He's an innocent manager. He's had his arm broken by Pentagon. The show's getting ready to go off the air. But suddenly, Pentagon returns. And he jumps into the ring. He grabs Brenda, who is not a wrestler. She's just a female valet. And he wraps her up. He grabs her arm. The crowd's going crazy. They can't wait to see it. And lo and behold, he breaks her arm, and she ends up laying in the middle of the ring, crying and wailing with her broken arm as the crowd chants in excitement as the show
8: goes off the air. It's How horrifying. How nefarious of, uh, of bad guys, what level of comic book bad guy are Famous B and Brenda? Dude, they're comedy people. They don't do anything bad. Okay, so they, okay, so they're they're not like the, the evil like you know no. beginning their comeuppance.
1: No, of course not. I mean, their comeuppance was they tried to get a horseshoe in, but they had the but but Pentagon got
8: it. I mean, on the level of managers, it would be. So he broke like Wiley e. Coyote's arm, like he just no, went out, like, this, after he fell off the cliff. This and, would like, be
1: this would be like uh, who would famous be? Famous B would be maybe Titus O'Neil if Titus O'Neil was 150 pounds. And then imagine that Titus O'Neil just has a valet, let's just say Lana, before she wrestled. Just has a pretty blonde valet who never does anything. She's just out there dancing and being all happy. And then uh, some babyface goes in and breaks Lana's arm. And she's crying and wailing as the show goes off the air. And you know what? You know what? (laughs) As he's setting up to break Brenda's arm, Matt Stryker is so excited. And he says, people always ask me. What's the difference between Lucha Underground and all of these other companies? Well, here it is! And she gets her arm broken, and then he's all happy
8: and joyous about all of this great stuff that's happening in Lucha Underground as the show goes off the air. Seems to be the biggest difference between uh, Lucha Underground and other companies right now would be positive buzz after that story.
1: Well, there is no buzz for Lucha Underground right now. It all fell off a cliff after Pentagon broke the arms of two women, I might add, the Stardom Women. And uh, he got his in the end, they claimed, because they broke his arm. But after that episode where he broke their arms, the show fell off a cliff until they went on the hiatus. Then they came back from the hiatus, and the ratings grew and grew until a match where Jeremiah Crane absolutely brutalized Taya. Then they fell off a cliff again, and they just recovered, and now they do this. So we'll see what happens. But we got a lot more after the break. Wrestling Observer Live.
2: The sun can make your outdoor deck and patio space so hot and uncomfortable you can't use it. But now there's the Sunsetter Retractable Awning. A Sunsetter Retractable Awning opens and closes in just 60 seconds, and it keeps your patio about 20 degrees cooler. It provides instant shade and protection from the sun's harmful rays. You can get your Sunsetter for as little as five ninety nine dollars when you call now to get your special $200 discount certificate and free awning idea kit. You're going to love your Sunsetter Retractable Awning. Sunsetter Awnings are assembled in America and guaranteed to last. So call 800 692
0: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We are back in the show.
1: Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. We're going to go to the phones and text messages here. If you want to give us a call, 1 800 878 Play, 1 800 878 7529. Text messages, 425 780 7566. Swade Thompson. Future Stars of Wrestling is going to be on the show in the next segment. Got a big show coming up next week. Filthy Tom Lawler is fighting on that show. Thomas Santel. It's going to be a very exciting show. We'll all be there. It's part of the Wrestling Observer Figure Four online convention. Details at WrestlingObserver.com in the daily update if you scroll down to the bottom. This person here says, I'm surprised Dave is in a Twitter battle with your former man crush Corbin. I don't know if I'd go that far. I was a Corbin supporter when he was on breaking ground. I would not call it a man crush. What is this about? Well, I don't really know everything, because I try not to follow Twitter all that much, except for my own. But apparently, Dave has been critical of Corbin, and somebody brought it to Corbin's attention, and Corbin made the cardinal stupid sin of doing the old, well, if you've never acted then who are you to critique an actor's performance of course the answer is everybody because i'm sure that corbin has never trained to be a chef but i'm sure in a bad restaurant he complains about the food not to mention i was a wrestler for probably three times as long as baron corbin has been and i agree with dave his promos suck and he needs to step it up (laughs) a stupid thing to say yeah. You can't critique a wrestler unless you've been in the ring. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I've been in the ring, okay? I've been in the ring. And people can critique my matches, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, whether they've been in the ring or not.
8: It's funny. You know, it's uh, Jim Crockett Sr., Jim Crockett Jr. Vince Jr. Vince, Vince Sr. Jr., Vince Sr. Vince Jr. For most of his life, um, I mean, Sam Mushnick. Uh yeah, there's always the stories of the, the Billy Grams and the or the, the, the Bill Watts and the Eddie Grahams and the Roy Shires and people like that, but look at some of the most successful people in the history of wrestling who have picked talent, who have organized talent, who have run shows. Uh I think they know a little bit about the wrestling business and that argument. Look, for the average person on the street, yeah, you don't know what it's like to go in there and try to, to do a bunch of flatback bumps and jump up. And, look, some people get winded just walking to the ring, for God's sakes. You know, a lot of people don't know really what it's like when they go out there and they criticize. But there are some people that do, who have been around a long time, who have learned a lot, who have been a lot more in tune than, than maybe you are in your own chosen profession. So it's always a, a lame thing to throw out there against somebody who's certainly established.
1: Person says, I have a conspiracy theory for that one caller that loves them. The Strowman-Jarrett incident happened after a Jeff Hardy concert. Why was she even there? Have the Hardys and Jarretts been in collusion this whole time? No, it was a concert in Nashville, and there were a bunch of WWE guys and a bunch of TNA guys, GFW guys, all there. Cuz it was in Nashville, and, and, I'm and sure Jeff there was has a lot of friends. Beer.
8: Free beer usually will, will, will get people in the building, especially wrestlers.
1: I hear our conspiracy callers on the line. Ryan, you are on the air. What's going on here today? Ryan must a wrestling friend. match over the weekend and uh what happened was Manny Fernandez beat a Maestro and also the Patriot beat the Cuban assassin both with a roll up. Does that move done just to avoid taking a big bump or the finishing move that they're afraid to take? Does that happen? we want though to be and I always wondered why they do I, that? I love the idea Manny Fernandez play? is still wrestling. It's probably the best say. match on the show. He's still really? wrestling. Yeah, he's still wrestling. Now they did a yeah. roll-up because that's what they wanted to do for the finish. I mean, maybe yep. somebody didn't want to take a bump, but I mean, roll-ups happen all the time in wrestling, and they aren't done just because somebody doesn't want to take a big bump.
8: Wait, Ryan, did well, Manny do the flying burrito?
1: No, that's why I thought maybe hmm. why he didn't roll up was he
8: couldn't do the flying burrito. It's possible to get up like that anymore, although Manny and Ricky Ricky Morton and guys like that still working at this point.
1: Yeah. All right, Ryan, I want to thank you very much for the call there. I want to thank you very much for the call. (laughs) I will tell you one thing, though. If I were wrestling, it would be a good uh, opponent that I could bring up here. Baron Corbin. What's his finish? End of days? End of days? I can't say this about Baron Corbin. What? Well, Baron Corbin, I was going to make a joke about, you know, I don't trust him to do any moves on me, but Baron Corbin, for whatever you want to say about Baron Corbin, he has never proven to be a dangerous opponent.
8: How about Nia Jax? If it
1: were Nia Jax or Sheamus, (laughs) I'd be calling, there ain't no bro kick, buddy. It's going to be a roll-up or nothing. (laughs) Your boy
8: Sheamus. Not that
1: this match would ever happen. It would never happen, you hear me? Or Nia Jax.
8: They need to give Sheamus, like, a move called the crowbar. Is there already a move called the crowbar? I don't think there is, right? Move called the crowbar. There was there was the crowbar at Devon Storm, but... Dude, there have been plenty of crowbars. I worked a lot of them. Well, I know, but I mean, actual move where, you know, it's like, it's just the potatoing right hand or, or foot or whatever it is. Up, oh, got him with the crowbar again. This person says, Brian,
1: thank you and Vinny for this week's Lucha Underground review. I laughed all the way to work. I watched every episode. Last night's was thrilling and despicable. I blame the producers who clearly have issues with gender roles and the treatment of women. I'm such a fan of Lucha Underground because I love the wrestlers and the characters. Like in New Japan, I look forward to seeing just about every performer on the show. Will Mike Semp be doing a preview show for May Mac later?
8: Uh, Probably. Probably will be live that Saturday um, for Mayweather and McGregor. Again, yeah, I'm not enthralled with it, but I tell you what, it's an event, and it's going to be an event that in the last couple of weeks leading up to it, it is quiet right now, but there is going to be a frenzy that gets whipped up, certainly by those two leading into it. So it's it's almost unavoidable. And I think you know, hey, it's a, you're paying a hundred bucks to throw a party, basically. The, you know, this is the background. You know, the, the results not in doubt. This is the background noise to kicking off a, a party weekend, and I think that's really how people should look at this uh, this fight.
1: I want to mention one thing about the Lucha Underground here. I'll make this quick. I'm sick of talking about it, but apparently they're like a bunch of commercials on El Rey, and they're doing this big thing about strong, powerful women. And I know that the small number of people still watching Lucha Underground are, I'm sure, all angry at me for everything that I've said, and they're going to go on and on about how these women are supposed to be superheroes on this show and strong, powerful women. Let me tell you something. Twitter
8: provocateurs. Let
1: me tell you something. They're not. Sexy Star won the title in a fluke and lost it the very next week. Pentagon versus the three stardom women, he destroyed and broke two of their arms, and then all of them teamed up on him or whatever and broke his arm. Yeah, I that mean, was hideous. great. Maybe three on one they were strong, powerful women, but that's not—that's sure not the way they came across there. Taya, in her match with Jeremiah Crane in the tournament, I mean, strong, powerful woman, she just got absolutely brutalized, destroyed, and beaten. And then Brenda, a strong, powerful woman? She got her arm broken and did absolutely nothing. So I don't want to hear the excuse about, hey, it's, a, it's a comic book world, Brian. There, there's like Wonder Woman. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not even in the universe of Wonder Woman. Like, they're not strong, powerful women. They get destroyed, beaten, brutalized, and their fans cheer. By the baby face. By the baby face. This person here says, Actually, let's go to Paul in Barberville. Let's talk to Paul. He's been on the phone for a while. Paul, what's going on?
5: Oh, not too much. I got up early this morning.
3: I watched uh, Tanahashi Naito uh, live uh, in the G1 Climax. Love that match. I've been watching some of the replays of the undercard matches, and I was doing a little bit of research, and I discovered that if Okada retains the IWGP Heavyweight Championship all the way to Wrestle Kingdom, he is going to break... Tenya Hashimoto's record as the longest-running IWGP champion of all time. Wow. So I was, Yeah, I was wondering something. If Okada is on his way to becoming the greatest champion of all time, wouldn't it be fitting for him on the way to win the G1 and become the champion of champions? But if he wins the G1, what does that mean for the main event of Wrestle Kingdom? He's not going to be having, like, matches defend the briefcase, will he?
8: Oh, well. I think he loses the belt if you're going to go that direction. Sorry, right If I think if you're going to go that direction, where he just monster stomps the entire year, I think maybe at some point he's got to hit the banana peel, and you know it's doing it with Omega, or you know I think in that case, I think that would be the way to go that way. I, I don't know. I I. I, <laughs> I, I I, Naito and Omega both I, to keep the title on Okada is great of a champion as he's been. I think you're going to have to start doing something to to kind of mix it up a little bit and, and to see one of those guys win the belt on January fourth or win it soon after. I, I think is probably the direction that they should go. That's just my opinion, but Paul,
1: I want to thank you very much for the call here. I got I got to I got to say something. So the G one, the winner gets the briefcase to defend until the dome show where they get a championship match. Well,
8: they can keep it for as long as they want, but yeah, I mean, most people want the dome show because it's the Wrestlemania of Japan. See. So, so why would the champion be
1: in it? I mean, if if the champion it's never been done before. If the champion is allowed to be in it, mm-hmm. then the champion should be allowed to get the briefcase. So, to me what that would mean would be he just carries the briefcase and should the day come where he loses the title, He's got an automatic. T- I mean, he probably gets. I mean, what do they do in New Japan? You Get an automatic. Well, they already rematch. have an automatic.
8: Well, you yeah. Know, so I then he'd they- have
1: another one in his pocket.
8: Yeah, I guess you could do that. Yeah, but I, you know, I would figure the Okada character would go. You know, I, I told you they'll pose with it, and and Jetto or Gato will set it down, and then that's going to be it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if they they'd go that direction, but. I got to be honest, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Naito, and I thought, again, as great as Okada is, I mean, nothing's going to take away you know, from his year at all where I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm starting to get really ready to see a, another Naito IWGP title run. Well, you may be seeing it soon. Back in a moment with more Wrestling Observer Live.
7: your own color party with colors like champagne and jubilee ask sherwin-williams and save 35% on paints and stains during the love for color sale august 11th through the 14th your neighborhood sherwin-williams paint store is right around the corner find it at sherwinwilliamscom save retail sales only some exclusions apply see store for details
9: Hey, makes it more manageable gets my attention folks I love the free delivery and they take care of the paperwork for you so if you have Medicare and you need help for your back ankle near shoulder guess what
4: Do you
2: love golf boxing soccer wrestling then sign up for the podcast from your favorite sport and never miss a show with podcasting we deliver the best programs directly to your computer every week automatically just go to sportsbyline.com and click on the get podcast button you'll never miss another show visit sportsbyline.com today
0: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We are back on the show. Brian
1: Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. We are joined by Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Also joined today by Suede Thompson, the FSW No Limits Champion. Suede, what's going on?
3: What's going on, guys? How are you today?
1: You know, when I heard that Swade Thompson was going to be on the show, I kept thinking, Swede Hansen, who you definitely are not. That's that was no. the first thing that came to my mind. Do you have any awareness of Swede Hansen?
3: Rawbone. <laughs> uh, yeah, but have you ever seen us in the same room together?
1: I, I have not seen uh, you in the same room together. Either? It's a little bit before your time, but. I uh, say so he might be dead. That may be one of the reasons why. Now, Now, I where. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah. If he's on the show Saturday, it's going to be quite the show. I'll tell you that much.
3: (laughs) That will be very awkward.
1: So, Wade, where did this name come from? When you were sitting there one day and you had to come up with a name for your your wrestling, I presume your mother did not name you Suede. Where did this this come
3: from? No. um, I was actually looking for something a little bit different than, you know, uh, like a Johnny Lightning or like a, uh, you know, Todd Piledriver or something like that. Uh, Something a little bit different. Uh, I was. I'm a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan, so I kind of took the S. Thompson, uh, I see, and made it in, uh. into suede, and I thought that would just be something that would be a little bit different and would kind of stick.
1: Do you live in Las Vegas? I know you work there, obviously.
3: I, I do live in Las Vegas. Yes.
1: Oh man. So I
8: think that combination between Hunter Thompson and Las Vegas may not be good for your your future here. Are you trying to? How are you reining this in?
3: Uh, I definitely do not live the gimmick, so uh, so we're good. That's, that's good disappointing. At. Disappointing,
1: uh, ruining my interview. But, uh,
3: coming up, uh, when I first started, I was part of the tag team Sin City Fury, and our uh, our finisher was uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas.
1: Now, obviously, if you've uh, read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, or they obviously made a film out of it, I mean, a lot of the places, I mean. This isn't even just stuff from the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, so much has changed in Las Vegas. How big a fan of Hunter S. Thompson are you? Have you tried to go to some of the places that he frequented, many of which no longer exist? But have you, being in Vegas, have you kind of done a little tour?
3: I've done a little tour, yes. Uh, but actually my uncle um, is uh, was a, a friend of Hunter Thompson up in Colorado. They lived in Colorado together. And uh, he would frequent the, uh, his, his little uh, cottage cabin that he had out there in the woods. And I actually have one of the first copies of Hell's Angels and uh, pictures of both of them in the cabin together. Oh, really? Uh, so I've, I've, I've been out there when I was a child and, and things of that. But as far as Las Vegas goes, I haven't really ventured to too many of uh, his old uh, stomping grounds.
1: You can't really. I mean, a lot of them are gone. That's the problem.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, when I guess tell us the story of, of getting into wrestling, Then we'll talk about the Future Stars of Wrestling show, which is coming up not this Saturday, but the Saturday afterwards. It is... Uh, yes, on the 19th. Yes, the 19th. How'd you get into wrestling?
10: Well,
3: uh, getting into wrestling, uh, I was a huge fan growing up, I think, as everyone was. Uh, I'm 31 now, so around my age, it was huge. Uh, coming up with Rock, Austin, everybody. So I kind of was just living out the dream and figuring if wrestling would be for me, because at the time, about from age 22 to about, uh, I'd say like 19 to about 25, I was doing HVAC, and I wasn't really in the wrestling scene, wasn't really paying attention to the product, and then my roommate at the time started getting old uh, AWA tapes and NWA tapes, and uh, I started watching again, and it just kind of sparked that interest. And I started late in the game. I started when I was 25 in 2011. I had my first match when I was turning 26 to 2012. Um, so it was just kind of something I knew I've always wanted to do. And when I was doing HVAC, it was great money. It was, it was really, really great money. But, uh, someone had said one day we're at the Roach Coach. And that was another thing that bothered me. I didn't, I like to eat healthy and stuff. So having to be around people who were smoking cigarettes and, You know, at lunch break, drinking beer and doing whatnot. It wasn't my lifestyle. My boss one day said, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so, and and he's going to be doing this the rest of his life. And I just heard, rest of his life, rest of his life. I was like, I'm not going to be doing that. So I just wanted to go after something that um, I I loved and had passion for, and that was wrestling. So I just took my chance and uh, been doing it ever since 2011.
1: So did you go to the FSW school, or, or where did you get started?
3: No, I started at a company called Adrenaline Unleashed. Out here in Vegas, they're no longer running, but uh, they had a six-sided ring. So I learned first in a six-sided ring. Oh my was god! a little awkward. Wow. Yeah, so, go, it, so most people, I mean, majority, probably like ninety-eight percent of the people who come up in wrestling learn the four-sided ring. I had to learn the six-sided ring. So when I went my first uh, first four-sided ring, it was a little weird adjustment because some of the you know offense or the way I would hit the rope or the tension of the rope would uh, be a little bit different. So.
1: Why? Why did they have a six-sided ring?
3: Uh, they they wanted to be different, and they thought instead of having a different wrestling product, they would have a six-sided ring, and that was kind of their gimmick to separate themselves from FSW because FSW was running at the time as well. So Thanks I've always
1: I, I've always heard that like the six-sided ring because of the way it has to be constructed to have six sides is a lot harder to bump in than a four-sided ring. Is that right?
3: It, I mean, yes and no, in the sense that there's not a lot of room, because usually like a 20 by 20, if you have a six-sided, then it becomes like an 18 and a half or like a 16 and a half by a 16 and a half just because of the angles. Yeah. So I can see where it would be tough to maybe maneuver bumps, but honestly, that six-sided ring is probably one of the cleanest bumps uh, that I've ever taken in a ring, it was, it was in that ring.
1: Wow. So now, why did they? Why are they no longer promoting?
3: Um, that's that's entirely beyond me. Uh, I I move to FSW in what was it, 2014 or 15? I want to say I can't remember. Uh, 2014 or 15, and shortly after they closed their doors. I'm not saying there's any coincidence by any means. It's just their direction wasn't the direction that FSW went and. And currently is is going right now. You know, FSW is just so huge. They put a lot of pro wrestling on the map out here in Vegas. They've opened the doors for ROH to be here. Paragon Pro Wrestling, when they were around, Um, it's just it's just a hotbed for pro wrestling here now.
8: I wanted to kind of ask you about that because of your where you're located, the proximity to Los Angeles isn't too bad, and we've seen what kind of a boutique event that, that PWG puts on, but everybody forgets sometimes about CWF Hollywood that laid down roots there a long time ago, and I know you're working with them too. Um, how do you kind of work that scene out there as an independent wrestler and just uh, what your lifestyle is like right now?
3: Um as far as traveling for everywhere or how do I cater to different audiences?
8: Well, I just, yeah, basically just, you know, how, you know, where do you work and, and as far as, you know, expanding your roots out there, how is it for an independent oh. wrestler right now?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, uh, their sister company out there, Maverick Pro out in California, West Coast Wrestling Connection up in Oregon, um, and then, uh, that's it. I was going to a couple other places, but right now, I'm just kind of kind of picking the uh, oh Santino Bros I make my debut next week there that's a great place um, but I just kind of am going in the direction of quality over quantity and just want to move more into a TV direction so so that's why I work with Marquez and uh, everybody over at Hollywood and, and championship wrestling from Arizona
1: so I presume the no limits championship means there's no limits men women size doesn't matter etc
8: Mecha mummies well
3: Well, this is the thing is, I mean, typically, yes, I think no limits um, in the eyes of uh, Joe DeFalco and everybody at FSW is is kind of like the X-Division title where there's no limits, uh, kind of more high flyers. Um, uh, I guess, you know, high spot guys, whatever. Uh, But now this this is the first ever intergender championship match at FSW.
1: It's you, Jack Jameson and Shotzi Blackheart in a three-way for the No Limits title. What can you tell us about the other two?
3: Um, Shotzi, over the last year, I've known her for a while, about three years now. Over the last year, she's just skyrocketed and just becomes a superstar right now. Um, her work ethic is way up uh, up right now. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sabotage Women's Wrestling, but they just ran an intergender uh, an entire show, and that went off really, really well. Uh, Shotzi is a part of that. She did very uh, tremendously. And Jack Jameson, he's been all over the place. He's, I believe, either out of Texas or Arizona, New Mexico, in that in that area. But he's been down to Australia. He's been over UK. He's been around, you know. I wrestled Jack back in 2015 for uh, in a trios match, so it was a little bit different. Um, but nonetheless, you know, there's two amazing competitors that have just been killing it. So...
1: So Filthy Tom Lawler has started training at the FSW school, and he's doing a bunch of shows there. What are your thoughts on, on yeah. Filthy in terms of how quickly has he been? He had been wrestling before he went to UFC, but then he fought in UFC for a long time. Now he's back wrestling again, and it seems like he's picking it up pretty quickly. Any thoughts on Filthy?
3: Oh, he's, he's amazing. Tom, Tom is great. In and out of the ring, he's just an amazing person. But uh, he's picked it up very quickly, and since he already has that fan base, it's just easier for him to get the matches that I think he needs to be wrestling at, you know, um, not putting anybody, discrediting anybody uh, that he hasn't wrestled yet, but putting him against guys like Riddle or uh, matches against uh, Chris Stansel coming up. Um, those are the matches that he's going to thrive on. And he does very, very well in training. Obviously he's super coachable because of his MMA background but the transition is just amazing with him. It's, it's crazy. He's going to be very, very huge in the next year. So
1: is it true that Allison Danger trained
3: you? Yes, this is true. I guess Out tell... here uh, at Adrenaline Unleashed.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, listen, there there are some guys who would show up at wrestling school and yep. the, the trainer's a woman and they'd be like, what's going on here? Clearly yeah, they wouldn't know Allison Danger. I mean... She's going to yeah. put a beating on anybody. But what were your thoughts when you first walked in? What was it like?
3: Um, I was uh, new to the, to the game when I first came in at Adrenaline, and she was there. So it wasn't something where I was training for a year, and then she came in. And even if it was a man that would come in it would come and be like, who's this new person? You know, blah, blah, blah. But I have the mentality of learning from anybody, regardless of gender, age, anything. Um, I don't think that you know. Since I'm start, I'm 25, and if someone's 18 years old but they've been traveling, you know, for two years or they've been working for three or however long, I'll, I'll listen to them for sure because they have more knowledge than me. And Allison, regardless of woman or not, she'll you know she'll beat your ass. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ask, but uh, she'll beat you up. Uh, you know, there's times where if if you mess up in training, she'll you know she'll definitely let you know not to make that mistake again. And I was looking forward to wrestling with her um, and learning from her because I knew who she was kind of going into it. I did my research, and uh, her being, you know, Karino's sister, uh, it's just another layer to how well uh, her teachings are. She's, she's amazing.
1: So, the Big Future Stars of Wrestling show is coming up on August 19th, 4 p.m. That's the following Saturday after this one. The FRW Wrestling Observer Convention. We're all going to be there, so make sure you show up if you have the opportunity. Sway Thompson is going to be defending the title against Shotzi, Blackheart, and Jack Jameson. And Filthy Tom Lawler is going to be there as well. And Sway, at Sway Thompson, is that the best way to contact you on Twitter?
3: Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, at Sway Thompson. All right.
1: Well, thanks so much for doing the show here today. We're going to be back in just a moment with more Wrestling Observer Live.
7: Expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warren Tech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions.
6: Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets?
0: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You want to check out Sway
1: Thompson, S-U-E-D-E, Thompson with a P. Like Hunter S. Thompson. I think he had a P. Anyway, Sway Thompson definitely has a P. At Sway Thompson, Twitter, check it out. FSW Show, coming up next Saturday, 4 p.m. bell time it's in Vegas, Future stars of wrestling, check it out. We're all going to be there. Do not miss it. What I want to mention, by the way, here's a scenario for you. This person says, I think the best scenario would be Okada and Omega draw again. Okada wins the G1. Now there's even more doubt that Okada could beat Omega again. So they have a no-time-limit match. Omega wins, gets the title. Okada then uses the briefcase to get his championship match at the Tokyo Dome. I don't think that one's happening. But you know what? It could, based on various scenarios. One more here. This person says, It rarely gets mentioned, but I'm very excited for next week's Destination X. The card looks great. That is the Impact Destination X show, which I presume is on television, because I don't think they're running head-to-head on pay-per-view with SummerSlam, would be my guess. Don't talk a lot about Impact here on the show. It's kind of fallen off the radar, but... Destination X coming up next week, so check that out. We're out of time here today, everybody. want to thank everybody for listening. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. Sundays, 2 hours, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. Got a lot of stuff to talk about here this weekend. We'll have a lot of time for phone calls, emails, text messages, and more. And the weekend after that is SummerSlam weekend. So make sure you check out WrestlingObserver.com for more. The Vegas convention, all sorts of great stuff. And that is it. Thanks, Mike, as always. Everybody, callers, listeners, everybody in the studio, talk to you again next time. Wrestling Observer Live.